I'm Simon Hartzell, and this is NAI Global's Diving Into Commercial Real Estate. Welcome to another episode of NAI Global's Diving Into Commercial Real Estate. We're very excited today because this is our first time we're doing a two-part series with a firm called Valuation Alliance. Also a first time that we have two individuals on the phone with us here today and, and recording these, these two individual podcasts. So the topic for this podcast is called succession planning. I know there's a lot of buzz out there about succession planning and we're gonna get into all the, the nitty gritty here today. Our guests are Obi Wally, founder and managing partner, of Valuation Alliance, along with the managing partner, Fred Schmidt, and I'd like to welcome you guys both here today. Uh, this is Fred. Hi, thanks thank for you, having Simon. us. And, yeah, thank you. And yeah. uh, uh, as we're recording this, obviously, the, we're all in lockdown because of the virus and everything, and just want to wish the NAI family, everybody, uh, good health and uh, whatever we can do to be of assistance to you all. We, we're there for you. So. Appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Let's 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 talk about. I'm going to give a little bit of background on your firm, and then go into to your backgrounds as we discuss in in each podcast here. But Valuation Alliance is a consulting and advisory firm that specializes in servicing the privately held commercial real estate brokerage companies and their respective ownership interest as well. Valuation Alliance provides a range of quality and supportive services for their their clients. Uh, again, specifically focusing in on commercial real estate brokerage companies, property management companies, startup and early stage commercial brokerage companies. So I'm excited to have you guys both here today. I'm gonna jump right into it with questions and start off with Fred. Tell, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, I'm. Uh... 40 years in the commercial real estate services business. Uh, my first 20 were with C.B. Richard Ellis, uh, 14 years as an agent working primarily in tenant rep and corporate services. And I sandwiched that right in the middle of a 20 year tenure with six years as an operating manager running three different offices for CBRE and then moved back into the cubes and into um, corporate services and tenant rep. Moved into a small boutique corporate services firm that was for four years and then sold that to a um, to Johnson Controls uh, and then uh, became part of the Realogy family of companies where I ran the business development corporate services service platform for uh, eight years. Also, all the training for the commercial real estate agents and then became the president and COO. Uh, that's where Obi and I crossed tracks with each other, by the way, and uh, ran that operation until about two years ago where I uh, retired from the business and moved into Valuation Alliance with Obi. Nice, nice. And 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 now you kind of answered and and kind of segued right into succession planning itself. How how is this important from from your understanding and your experience with the number of years you have in the business? And I guess a follow up question to that is why have one? Well, I think, first of all, uh, and I'll give you a, a real-life story that I've shared over the years 
during my presidency uh, in running a network and the necessity for it. Uh, but it's extremely important, and certainly for uh, the broker. And OB and I specialize only in commercial real estate services firms. And all of you in the NAI family know this, that the, your assets walk in in the morning and leave in the afternoon. We have elevator assets, as they call them. And the revenue streams are literally staring you in the face every day. So preserving that and understanding what it takes to continue with that is extremely important. I'll get into some statistics later on what that means if you don't do that type of thing. Uh, but I will also uh, will say, and I'll use a story, if you will, if it's all right with you, Simon, I'll take a couple minutes just to mm -hmm. give the story that I think bears value. Uh, about 10 years ago now, we had, we had an office in uh, Louisiana. Uh, as when I was the president and I got a, received a call on a Monday morning, the person that was running, uh, the owner and operator of this uh, affiliate was missing and he was a boater. And what happened was he was getting on his boat. Uh, I'm a boater, by the way, he was getting on his boat, uh, off his boat, I should say. Uh, they were in the bayou in Louisiana and they were pleasure cruising his wife and two friends. They went back to their yacht club there and, he had a ice cooler and was getting off the boat. And as he was putting the cooler on the deck, he literally fell, hit his head, and went into the water and disappeared, uh, tragically. And no one found him. He was gone. Unfortunately, he drowned and everything. I received the call on a Monday morning. Um, and this was about a five and a half to six million dollar a year business. Uh, we sent our team down. There was no succession plan in place. There wasn't any kind of documentation on what to do with the business. There was a will, you know, the usual things. And I think one of the points is having a will is extremely important and having, you know, distribution of your assets is very important, but, you know, no operating agreement on what to do with the business. He was very fortunate in that we uh, were able to find a local affiliate that was going to take over and run the business and step in. Uh, the widow, uh, his wife, uh, this guy was a great guy, by the way, everybody liked him, good firm, on, uh, stabilized. all the agents could have walked right at that moment, and that's not uncommon when things like that go on, and uh, uh, they didn't, they stayed put, we were able to stabilize it and put a plan together to hand the business over. Uh, the widow, she actually uh, received a percentage of the business for about a 10-year period. Uh, and it was handed over. So she came out uh, relatively well, but without a plan in place, it was very fortuitous and lucky. So I, I don't mean to be dark on this or anything, but it was a very, uh, it, it illustrated to me the reasoning behind having a succession plan in place. Well, I think that's important because it, it shows that you never know. I mean, those unforeseen things come up. And, and how long was this company in business prior to this tragedy happening? Oh my goodness, about a 25, 30 year business. Family run, very well run, very good, very organized. Um, uh, and uh, so, no, they were a good good group here. So and it, it, 30 years they haven't developed a succession plan. And I know there's gonna be folks listening to this that are in the same boat. So when when should you have and set up or start thinking about and putting together a succession plan? Uh, our, our answer is do it now. Don't wait, set it up now. Control your destiny before someone else does. Okay, like that scenario we were just talking about there. Certainly when your business has any kind of value, you certainly should uh, be looking at that. And uh, 
given the current environment, I would suspect uh, with the virus and everything, it's not because of the virus, but when you go through a sea change, a seismic change, like where a lot of folks are looking at what the future entails for literally for themselves, and for their businesses. And so probably now more than ever, it's important to start looking at those considerations. So we say as soon as possible, I will tell you, though, you know, it is, uh, we generally say if you're thinking of retiring or stepping down or reducing your your load in terms of leading the business or running it, most commercial real estate firms and uh, owners and managers are player coaches typically, and I know in the NAI network there is a lot of them. Uh, they don't want to be running the business day to day or whatever. But so you know, we see a lot of people who can work until their 70s or 80s, which is great, but they don't want to be running the business. So we generally say five years out, give yourself. It takes about five years to affect. Uh, a, a true succession. Hmm. That's, a, that's a good point because people think that they can just hand over the keys or or that their business is is worth, and we'll talk more about this on our, our second session, but is worth more than it is or they have a number in mind, but the, the market may speak differently. So Talk to us maybe of an example, and, and we talked prior to having this call, but, but maybe you can give an example of companies you've spoken to that may be a little late to think about this and and have have come in kind of late in the game of their career, and, and really it should have been done five years ago where they're trying to, to plan their, their next step in, in their life and career. Do you have anything off the top of your head you could talk about? Well, we're working with a lot of companies, some NAI companies here, and some are very well uh, positioned for the succession. Uh, one company, not an NAI company we're dealing with right now, where the founder, a uh, very successful company in the southwestern United States, the founder is 80 years old. And he has, to his credit, he has a partner um, that's about 49%. He's 51% owner. The partner's 49%. He's in his mid-40s. And we sp- spoke on a like this type of a venue, a podcast, and a, he called it the forty. The younger partner called us up, and we were on the call with the eighty-year-old uh, founder, who's very vibrant, I might add, very successful, very good. And uh, he said, "Yeah, guys, I was thinking about maybe I should do something now." And of course, I'm, we were both laughing to ourselves, like, "Really?" <laughs> so, but that goes on quite a bit. And we all, myself, we all think you're going to go on forever and do, do things. So. Uh, the transition needs to occur sooner. Now, to his credit, to their credit, the partner, the, the other partner, is a very capable uh, and could run the business. So, God forbid, if something happened to the senior partner, um, that business could be taken over and run. Although the junior partner, the uh, minority partner, I might add, who's 49%, uh, he called us to really talk about that transition to have navigate from from the uh, majority owner to him and what are the steps they're going to include? How do you bring partners in and all those different elements. And, but they were at least this person is, was groomed and taught to run the business over a period of time. And therefore uh, a smooth succession will occur. But even with that, uh, they still are, we're looking for assistance in making that transition. It seems like you, you guys have come across a lot of cases where people have gotten lucky like they didn't have a succession plan in place, but they had their folks trained or they had certain pieces in place that would be part of a succession plan, but not the full succession plan. Is that 
is, is, is that something that you can um, yeah, reinforce I, I, or I agree think, with? I think uh, the fact of the matter is that statistics are pretty stark on this. As, and this is dealing with the commercial real estate. This is, uh, we have stats from CEL Associates, which is uh, Chris Lee, which is a think tank uh, for the commercial real estate business. He focuses more on the property and asset management side, but he also uh, surveys brokerages. And, and the statistics uh, are that only 15% of small to medium-sized uh, commercial real estate firms have a succession plan. Uh, what's even more stark is only 30% of them survive into the second or third generation. So it's not as good as it appears to be. And so therefore, for small to medium businesses, it needs to occur and it has to and, and most when you look at the i go to an nai conference or sior ob and i spoke at sior in, in portland uh, about three months ago uh, when you look at the room uh most of the owners and leaders are baby boomers like myself and you know they're 55 60 and over and you know this is that's why we're bringing the gong on this at this point in time say hey now is the time to start thinking about this and to start looking at this. And again, because of your elevator assets and all those elements. So unfortunately, um, a lot of companies do have plans, so I don't want to act like they don't, but a lot of them, um, we're finding that more don't. And that's why, frankly, that's why we have this part of the business set up. Well, it sounds like it's also it's also important if you have one, get a third party to review it. Have you guys come in and say, hey, let's 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 do a little due diligence on what we've written or maybe we've written it 10 years ago 15 years ago and it, it could be outdated based on where we're at in in society economy so on and so forth so i think i think you're you're spot on with 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 what you're saying and how it's important now how do you find succession planning helping or hurting someone's revenue within the organization well, I don't think it hurts the revenue. I think it helps to sustain it. It actually, if you're an owner or a leader, it's actually could become an annuity for you in terms of uh, the different ways you can sell your business or transfer your business over. Uh, and uh, we do a lot of that with companies. Uh, also, and that's the reason we say the five years out is who is your successor going to be or successors? Okay. It may not be one person. It may be a group of people. And then training those people and developing a training program for the future leaders and a timetable and planning your own retirement and, you know, those different elements and how you move that forward. A lot of the folks uh, that are in this business are very successful leaders and owners or founders and entrepreneurs have been extremely successful and they manifest a lot of different skill sets that may not be manifested in the next person coming up. They may be stronger in certain areas and not in others. So having that plan in place and coaching them through those steps or coaching your successors through those steps is extremely important. You also find that you, you're the person you want to be your successor may not be qualified or have the ability to do that, or you discover that they don't want to do that. And that goes on in corporate America all the time. So, Well, the more and more we talk about this, and I hope the audience that's listening it resonates with them is, I can see where succession planning is an important piece, but it's not the only piece. Talking about what your succession plan looks like, if it's going to be an internal succession plan, or if your plan is to sell the company, then 
the valuation piece, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, is is going to be just as important because you you're you're missing out on the the total picture if you just do succession planning or you just get a evaluation of your firm and, and and that's from my perspective you guys may agree or disagree but i think you need to have a, a holistic approach when you're looking at this you absolutely do and you have to look at your numbers uh and obi will get into that and what the numbers are and how they should look uh, how to present yourself as a company if you're selling internally to set up sort of facts and numbers and also selling externally we generally look at the external view it's kind of like a broker's approach to value you know, looking at the marketplace, but also there's an internal sell. There's dynamics and a lot of elements that you can go into. I will also say to you um, that we are, we've developed a tool given the tremendous um, change that we're going through right now with people working from home and everything else. And we're, we have a program called the Virtual COO Program that we're putting in place. That's a very uh, quick, short way to look at your business, do a current state analysis, and develop that tool, very economical. And so uh, we'll be glad to share that with you and post it with the, the team at a later date and time, recognizing what's going on in the marketplace right now. That's interesting. Yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to, to learn more about. Now, it, it, you kind of alluded to my next question, which who should who should participate in a succession plan? Which, which individuals or, or professionals within a firm? Well, I think it's first, certainly the owner, manager, leader, the person that's running the business, um, and and they should choose and discuss uh, judiciously, I might add, with their the partners or successors that they're looking to bring in and set up the platform for that. They may not know who that person or persons will be. They may be looking to bring in people from outside. So it's setting up the framework or the platform for it uh, with the idea that you can plug people in and what that means, and Obi will get into this economically, but also what it means in terms of a planning element. Okay. And, and, and key, quickly, give the, me... I'm sorry. Go ahead. All the key no, stakeholders that, that all, all the key stakeholders in your business, though, your leadership team and those people should be made aware of it and should be discussed with them. And I think that alone is a discovery process with your own people. Yeah, kind of how you, you mentioned earlier, you might find somebody that you think is going to be a leader, but they may not be prepared to be a leader or have the skill sets to be a leader or want to be a leader. So it's important to have that communication from, from top down, as you're suggesting. I, I might also add, we're talking about the assets walking in in the morning and leaving in the afternoon. A succession plan also can be a, a, what we call golden handcuffs. In other words, if you're looking at interests or profit sharing with key agents and people to hold on to them through this transition, this is a moment to start looking at how you're going to transition those types of things to keep people on board. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's a big that's a big challenge within just our industry overall is understanding how or or what's the best way to retain employees, management, partners within an organization. So I'm sure we could spend another hour talking about just recruiting and, and retaining the talent. Right. And, and just going, circling back to that case study I talked about, that was the single biggest concern, obviously, was you had an office, five to $6 million a year office, and all the key people there. And we were very proud of the fact we were able to hold on to 100% of the people and they stayed on board. Now, that was a testimony to the leadership and loyalty to the owner and founder, but that doesn't go on, uh, we have found, you know, based on our 
knowledge. Maybe, and, and I think that's a great point. Maybe you can quickly give, give us a, a sense of what are the steps or the, the bullet points of developing a succession plan? What are the key, key pieces? I think you want to, uh, we talked a little bit about this, is um, uh, choosing who your successors are going to be, develop a training program for those people, uh, set a timetable, uh, communicate, uh, do this as a separate, uh, it should tie in with your overall planning for your office, but it should uh, be documented, uh, and then execute the plan. And it's better, and we say to a lot of clients, you know, we, we help them in putting plans together, strategic planning, uh, and, and generally you'll have a lot of goals and objectives, and we always say it's better to take three or four key items and execute it 100% than to take five or 10 key items and execute it 50%. So um, th that's the one piece of advice that I, yeah, and throughout my career I've done that. So work on something till you get it done 100% versus trying to do a little bit of everything, which tends to be the case when you're running an organization. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of useful, you're going over a lot of topics and we're doing this in a very short time, but I, I, I think if our audience is really, really, hearing what you're saying is there's a lot of moving pieces and I think there's a good amount of things that I would love to get follow up on if I were a business owner. So I, 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 I appreciate you kind of going over this and giving us a high level view of succession planning from your perspective. Let's jump into a couple like more challenging questions. And, and I, I'm kind of segueing towards our, our, our our final questions here in the podcast, but everyone's everyone's kind of dealing with the the current environment. What what what's the uh, what's the biggest TV show you're watching right now? Um, my daughter and wife were watching last night, and I, I like to watch military history and YouTube and all. That. I'm a history buff and everything, but the show The Tiger King. I don't know if you've watched this thing. Uh, uh, yeah, I keep hearing things night. about it. So I watched it last night, and uh, the characters, if you were to write characters, it's, it's like Game of Thrones, except it's real life, but not Game of Thrones, but the characters are so vivid that I couldn't believe it. Like, if it was fiction, you wouldn't believe these people. So I'm watching The Tiger King just because my wife and daughter are watching. So, But I generally watch <laughs> a lot of military history and historical stuff is generally my thing. And uh, through YouTube, uh, that's typically where I go. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you haven't figured it out, trying to segue into some more fun questions here. So I got, <laughs> I got one more yeah. <laughs> one more for you. And, and this is, again, kind of pertinent to the, the current environment that we're living in. But once once the dust settles, do you guys have your eye on a place you'd, you'd want to visit or get out of town or travel to once, once you can? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I've done uh, as Obi has, we've I've traveled throughout my career, probably 85 to 100,000 miles a year on an airplane, just through work. Uh, and I'm sure Jay and a lot of the NAI team uh, does the same thing. So, uh, so I've always been blessed to see a lot of the world, a lot of this country. Um, but I probably would go, we went to the Canadian Rockies up by Banff and that road there. And so my, I find myself going on YouTube and watching that ride from, uh, Banff to Jasper. It's one of the most spectacular rides I've ever seen. So I think in my mind, that's where I go to. Yeah, it's just a beautiful spot. That's not to say there are beautiful spots all over 
uh, North America and everything, but uh, that's that, that's the one I keep going to in my head. Perfect. Well, a- again, Fred, Obi, this is this is all great stuff. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I'd like to thank you both for for joining me on part one here today. We're going to segue here shortly into the the second part of this podcast. And if our audience is listening, and and again, I think there's a lot of great pieces that we're going over here and that we'll continue to go over in our next podcast, but what's the best way to get a hold of you, Fred, if somebody is questioning or trying to develop their their succession plan? Um, I think, first of all, we have our slides from our NAI conference, I believe are posted on the NAI site, and it's fred at valuationalliance.com. And my number is 908-377-1616. 908-377-1616. Great. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. And if you'd like to find out more about NAI, please email us at help at naiglobal.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>